0: Well, welcome to the second interview of 2023. And you know what? I thought I would going to keep it local. My first interview was on the other side of the world. My second one, well, this lady is from Melbourne, Australia. She's an executive life coach. She looks after C-suite management. She's been through the ringer herself, and she has come out on top of it like you wouldn't believe. She is so successful in her field. And with everyone feeling the strain of COVID and management, managing life and love and business, I thought, who better to have a chat to than Shannon Kennedy? How are you?
1: Oh, thank you for having me on the show in these interesting times as we're locked down here in Melbourne.
0: Yes, yes, you're locked down. We're, we're sort of mid mid that in Sydney, sort of half a knot. So. And then we've got some people around the world, they're all, all in different situations now and business is trying to keep going but have you always lived in Melbourne
1: I have I grew up in Melbourne Um, my father's Dutch he he was came over on the boat after the war and um, my mother grew up in the markets here in um, in Melbourne so yeah definitely Melbourne born and bred
0: wow and is that where you met your other half as well
1: I certainly did. I um I had a fantastic job in mm-hmm. sports marketing where it was a Jerry Maguire style job. It was the yep. buying and selling of athletes. Yeah. And he happened to be running the, the whole Australian ski team. And so mm. he had to look after me because I was the sponsor. And he he did he did look after me quite well. And yeah. he ended up getting married. Awesome. And, um yeah, we've been married for nearly 20 years, which is which is amazing
0: congratulations especially in this day and age they seem to treat marriage like cars some people
1: yeah yeah no we're a great team a great partnership great values together and built our family and our life together. We've got two teenagers as well. Yep. And, you know, we have an incredible sense of adventure together. So travel has been our thing every single year. So the last couple of years have been challenging for us because yeah. we're, we love getting on those planes and having incredible life experiences yeah. as a family, and that sort of has stopped. But it's also been a gift too because I think we've had an incredible time just as a family locked down for a couple of years and really enjoyed our teenagers.
0: That's that's uh, like I remember when I my wife and I took our children to America and they were, I think, 12 and 13. And it was a blessing because we still got to be able to enjoy ourselves and spend that quality time. Yeah. Now we have a little nearly three year old granddaughter running around the house from time to time who I think she believes she owns the place. So we're blessed again with the next generation coming through. So beautiful. It is. Now, one of the most important questions that our listeners love to hear is, where did you sit in class? Was it up the front, under the teacher's nose, in the middle, or did you hide down the back?
1: Oh, I was a middle. I oh, definitely middle, you know. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't the bad one that sat up the back and mucked around. I wasn't really the super committed one up the front, yeah. but I was just always that middle player. And I think my whole life, I have to say, I've played that way. It's always been... You know, I'm I'm not dramatic, um, I'm very grounded, I mm. just go with the flow. I I don't try and stand out from the crowd. I just really just be myself and that I really think I am that middle person who's mm. who really can connect to both sides, the front row and the back row, and mm. be friends with both sides of the front and the back, but always just just stayed on my own path.
0: Yeah. So did you what did you do when you first left school? Did you, did you go straight into the uh, publicity, or did you do something a little bit different?
1: No, um, when I left school, I'd watched um, uh, Wolf of Wall, uh, Wall Street, the movie, the way ah, yes, yes, yeah, uh, with Gordon Gecko in it. And mm. I said to my mum, "I think I really want to be a stockbroker. It looks fun. It looks exciting. I don't have to go to uni because I didn't want to go to university.
0: <laughs> yes. I just
1: wanted to go to work and." Yeah. And I didn't really love study or anything. So yeah. um, I rang as Melbourne stockbroker for about 15 days straight until she realised the HR lady realised I was not going to stop calling. So she gave me a job in the filing department. Mm. So I just started at the bottom, the yeah. real bottom, like filing dirty old contract notes and worked my way up to be one of the first girls to ever sit up there on the trading desk. And wow, it was just an incredible couple of years of working really hard being really committed, really excited. That day, mm. Those days the stock exchange was people running around with tickets on the floor.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Uh, those days it wasn't computerised yet and there was chalkboards yeah. and all kinds of things. I
0: remember the Sydney Stock Exchange just like that.
1: So it was a very exciting time and work work ethic always paid off then. You know, yeah. you really didn't have to go to university at that stage. So once I got myself up there, you know, they said there's a bit of a problem now, you know, you're a girl because there was no females. Yes. Well, you're 20 years old and you don't have a degree. And if you want to progress any further, we really need you to go to uni and do economics or accounting at night school, et cetera. Wow. And I just I didn't have it in me. I just said I'm. I love working. So. I left and I travelled the world for a couple of years and got some great experience as a backpacker mm. and went to 50 countries or something crazy and worked yep. overseas in the Swiss villages and ski resorts and, and came back and they said, well, now you're 22, that's fantastic, but what about university? And I sort of saw that it was a bit more like the Wolf of Wall Street then. You know, Mm -hmm. it was not a great place for any female to be. It really wasn't the values that I had. No. And so I decided to change industry and got a job with um, a lawyer who was very passionate about golf. So he was representing 10 of Australia's best golfers. Yeah. And he said to me, are you willing to learn how to run a business from the ground up. I will teach you everything if you want to be a great student. And so for me, that was like, oh, I'm being taken under somebody's wing. Awesome. Um, I'm going to run with it. So he was incredible. He taught me how to negotiate contracts. He taught me how to run big corporate golf days, go on tour with the golfers, um, and, and run a very small tight ship business mm. so uh, from the ground up. So that was incredible. And then he went to America to look after the Phil Mickelsons of the world and the Australian mm. golfers over there. And, and Bolle Sunglasses saw me at the golf and they said, hey, we love your work ethic. Do you want to come and work for us as our sponsorship manager? That was the Jerry wow. buyer role where you buy and sell. And I'm doing all of this with a let's jump in the deep end and see we can swim a fake it till you make it mentality Mm. because i'm thinking i still haven't gone to university like how am i getting away with this yeah and i really learned on the job there and i had about 200 athletes to look after and my job was to get them to wear ballet sunglasses and compete Mm. oakley and i was the only female sponsorship manager as well so Everywhere I went, I was one of the first, one of the mm. first. But I never saw it as actually didn't never even realised. I just worked. I just worked yeah. very hard. And I worked so hard and married the job and married the brand that I made myself really sick. And then by the time that I was 30, I had chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah. And it was a, a year in bed. It is incredibly painful. It's like you've fried your nervous system. Yeah. And now, you know, 20 years later, in my 50s now, I still have to manage that on a, so, on a weekly basis.
0: Before we get on there, uh, a lot of managers, especially old school, believe you've got to work long and hard to achieve. But, you know, I, I used to think that way. That's how I was brought up in management. And that was so wrong. Were there any telltale signs or signposts you missed when you look back at it now that you should have gone, hang on a minute, my body is starting to tell me to slow down here. It's, was there anything that happened along the way that some of our listeners could actually take notes of?
1: Absolutely. There were warning signs left, right and centre and I just had this mindset to push through. Mm. But, you know, when you get that that brain fog, that headaches that don't go away, your bones mm. start to ache and you think, I don't really want to go to that function but I'll just push through and go. Mm. Or, you know, I really should shut the laptop now but I'll just push through and do some more. So. Mm. This constant push and burn, I actually didn't have any self-care strategy whatsoever, and I didn't know what the word meant because I'd grown up in a European house that was go hard or go home.
0: Well, self-care back in those days was alcohol.
1: Yeah, well, it it was it was woo woo, you know, like if you learned how to do yoga or breathe yeah, or meditate, nice. It woo woo, it was like that's that's for hippies. Yes. And um if you if you think you're meditating, you're probably smoking some dope and sitting in purple pants on a mountain. It it, it was just not a part of our language and mm-hmm. I think that I really learned very quickly that I had to look after my body if I wanted to have longevity in my career. Mm. So my achievement A-type overachieving perfectionist junkie mentality,
0: <laughs>
1: um, I had to keep but yeah. become a healthier version of that. So I'm still the A-type overachieving perfectionist achieving mm. junkie, yeah. however, a much healthier version because the achievement of the day is what did I do today to pace myself and to notice the burn and pull back a little bit so that I Mm. don't ever get into that situation again.
0: And is that something you have to work on all the time? Forever. Forever. So it can come back?
1: 100% come back, yes. So Alistair Lynch, who is an Australian footballer. Yes,
0: yes, I know him, yeah.
1: So um, I know him well. We both say that we're 95% cured, but there's 5% that... is is just there and it just lingers. And the minute that I push a little bit too hard, it raises its ugly head and the pain comes, Mm. um, the lethargy comes, the, oh, I feel like I've been hit by a truck comes. Um, I work with my naturopath over the last Mm. 20 years to keep supplementing the inside of me and keep the adrenals going. Um, But definitely, I think I'm actually achieving more by looking after myself and being very specific with my time, Mm. just that burn and churn.
0: Yeah. Look, so you've been in bed for nearly 12 months. You probably haven't seen much of your friends, not much of your family. Your social life would be shot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh Now, what made you get out or who made you get out? And then how did you then decide to go to be one of Australia's leading uh, management life coaches?
1: Well, that's such an interesting question because I'm lying there um, and I'm thinking I'm getting depressed because my body won't move. Mm. Have I got depression? Well, yes, I have because that's a result. But I Mm. think I don't need a counsellor. I don't need a psychologist. I actually need a coach. And I've just been working for the last 10 years with Mm. Olympians. I know high performance. Yeah back of my hand in every sport, their coaches, their trainers. I know everybody. So I actually got myself a life coach, which yeah, nobody yeah. had heard of at all. True. Years ago. I said, I want someone to hold my hand and rebuild me from the foundation up mm-hmm. so that I can work until I'm 80 and yep. not ever go through this again. So We just restructured my whole body, my mind, the way that I thought, the way that I thought that if I ever sat down I was lazy, you Mm. know, we had to change all of that mentality. And it was an incredible experience. And whilst going through that, I was watching what happens to our country's athletes and global Mm. athletes. Yes. When they go from hero to zero overnight, when their body breaks, they get dropped from the team or they retire.
0: Yep.
1: And nobody cared about them not one person cared about that's them. that's
0: true thinking back, that's
1: true so you were on the scrap heap and I thought oh my gosh all of my athletes keep coming to me they keep asking my advice mm, I see a gap in the market what I'm going to do is try get trained as a life coach so I was probably one of the first qualified ones in Melbourne with mm. the International Coaching Academy and I opened my own business just so that I could pace myself for a while and coach athletes into retirement. And I built the life plan that would run alongside your career or your sporting plan. So that's how the life plan was bought, and that book is now a global bestseller. Mm -hmm. But I started to coach athletes into retirement, and that turned corporate very quickly because when I went to a few football functions, there was bankers there, and they're like, Mm -hmm. what do you do? Um, We want to learn what you're doing with these athletes. But interestingly enough, 20 years ago, I was going to football clubs saying, let's do a transition program, and they all turned away. They said, we don't want to hear anything about it. No. We don't want to hear self-care. We don't want to hear woo-woo. We don't want to hear about life after sport. We need to burn and churn these these athletes. And
0: how many of those athletes do we hear of today ending up in court, ending up with drug, alcohol, or yes. other issues? Yes. And I'm I'm not one of going back and being, you know, uh, a warm and fuzzy when it comes to it But when you see how they've gone from Complete heroes down the road To now Yesterday's hero as the song says Yes It's a lot to, it's a lot to deal with Unless they're in a big company or somewhere that can look after them They must feel very alone
1: Oh, it it is horrific what I saw. Um, you know, on the front mm. line there, I saw a lot of destruction, and it broke my heart. And I thought there mm. has to be something for these people. And now, twenty years later, there is. Yeah. You know football clubs are running programs. They can have a life coach. They can have transition coaches. So again, I was one of the first to walk into the club. And about four years ago, a football, co- an AFL coach took me out for lunch actually and said, "I'm yeah. really sorry." You were just too early for me. I, I couldn't yeah, get true. around it. We had not considered anything like this. So there was a great apology. But, um, you know, I, I, I think now that it's available to people that the corporate mm. athlete has, has the same problem. Yes, true. If you're used to having your 400 emails a day and you go to zero. After a week, you're very lonely. It, it's been such a part of your life and people have looked up to you you've made Mm. all of these decisions and all of a sudden you're home and you're just in charge of yourself with no structure so that's that's where the life coach comes in and rebuilds and um looks looks for the long-term strategy
0: yeah yeah so how did you get started i mean you've told us about how you went and got your training the sports people didn't want to know about you there's the the clubs and all that you were some strange person who's obviously come down from the hills outside of Victoria that's drunk too much wine, smoked too much weed. What is this woman talking about?
1: Yeah.
0: So with people, if you're looking at it now, how did you get going in business? How did you get your clients and how did you get what we call social uh, credibility out there for people to go, you know what? I'm going to go to her. You know what? We're going to have a chat to see if she can help us.
1: Well, 20 years ago, there was no Instagram, no Facebook, no nothing. So there was a fax machine and there was um, Google, I think, just coming Mm. in. So for me, it was I started to coach my athletes personally myself. I couldn't get into the club, but they came to me. So that referral really started quickly. Then getting one or two corporate clients mm. and coaching their leadership team yep. Um, all Yep. because they all wanted high performance, mm. so high performance strategy without burnout. So all of a sudden I ended up on the speaking circuit and mm. all of a sudden I was in, in front of like 300 people and then they want coaching. And then I self-published my book, Sim- mm. Simplify, Structure, Succeed, and then I would sell that at conferences. And then this mm. following sort of started. But it was all referral. There was no advertising, no newsletters. I just focused on relationships.
0: Do you think today there's not enough of that? People are relying too much on Facebook and Instagram and all that rather than press, pressing the flesh, saying good day, and just getting out there and introducing yourself?
1: Yes, I absolutely agree. I think these long-term, someone like Macquarie Bank, I've been presenting in there for 18 years. Wow. 18 years I've been a coach for 20 years and 18 years I'm still going in there and teaching and taking groups of people yeah. through programs and yeah. personally coaching directors yeah. um, long-term relationships for me is is far more in my soul than these yes. you know Instagram Instagram yeah. has its place it's fantastic it fills up my yeah. public courses which is great and it sells books which is fantastic and we can get the message out there to a much bigger audience. Yeah. But I think the whole foundation of my business came from actually sitting and talking to people, having coffees with people, explaining what a coach could do for people, um, and taking them on a journey. Which I think a lot of that's been lost now because everybody knows what a coach is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't had to really educate people anymore.
0: Yeah, that look, that's so true. So you've now we've now hit to twenty twenty two. We've had. Two and a bit years it feels like of this pandemic, but everything has changed. Everything how we do our work, how we do our business has changed. What I'm seeing is a lot of managers are starting to burn out. They're still not coping with change. There's a lot of staff are going. Well, how am I going to get through this? Because I'm now getting COVID fatigue. You would nearly call it. At first, if you're a manager and you're seeing your staff starting to get that little bit worn down. Where do you go? How how do they how do you get them back up? Because we're all tired of where we've been. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. What would
0: you say to a manager and said, look, Shana, help? Mm-hmm. My guys well, have hit the wall.
1: In the first lockdown, I wrote my eighth book called Plan B, yep. which is called A Guide to Navigating and Embracing Change. Yeah. And What people do is they have exhausted themselves with Mm. the drama and the fear. A lot of it comes from drama and fear. Mm. The third thing that makes people so exhausted is they've lost their structure. So when we change our routine, so, you know, we were commuting to work, going to work from this hour to this hour, coming home and then going to the gym and doing this, this and this. Now that the whole thing's bled into one messy day, Mm. that's sort of at home and in front of the computer, They've lost their structure that keeps them up. They've mm. lost their refuel that they would normally do. So that's it's
0: true.
1: A process. So we need to re educate the managers to say, well, it starts with you. Mm. So You need to set the structure and then you feed it through to the staff. But people are burning out because they're actually working a lot harder and a lot longer hours because they're not commuting.
0: That's true. Oh, that is so true. Yeah.
1: Commute time they just open the laptop and they just start and then they take it to the couch. And Mm. then they at night time, they might be triple screening with a bit of Netflix. Mm I'll just finish off some more. We never used to do that. We used to really have our workplace in a separate location and then now it's all in one. And if you don't have that discipline of refueling and restoring yourself and replenishing yourself so that you can be sharp the next day, Mm -hmm. then you are exhausting yourself
0: yeah that's true. Another thing I've also seen with people is it's they're, they're eating the wrong things they're drinking far too much because they're at home mm-hmm. they're eating too much mm-hmm. and when at the start of the pandemic everyone was out walking riding the bike walking the dog well you know that's sort of all starting to fall by the wayside. keeping yourself physically fit how important is that when it comes to in delivering for your boss or delivering in your own business or for the people that work for you?
1: Well, the last two years I've been doing an enormous amount of Zoom calls where I'm talking to teams, and I always say, if for the rest of your life you could do the three M's and start your day like that, you won't be tired. So get up and make your bed. Yes. Move your body. Yes. And mindfully breathe. So every single day I get up, I make my bed, I Mm. walk for an hour. Right. And then I do mindful breathing on the porch before I walk in, and I will not touch technology until that refuel is done.
0: So what's mindful breathing?
1: Mindful breathing is just finding a little bit of stillness before you start. Like go on the commute in your mind. Like you sit there, you just ground yourself before you go into the chaos of the day, the marathon of the day. So yes, every day yes. is a marathon. Mm. So we need to warm up for the marathon, make your bed, move your body, mindfully breathe. Mm. Then we've got the marathon, which is the day. Yes. So who's stopping at the Gatorade stations? Nobody. They're just working all no, they're the time So yeah. we need to have some Gatorade stations. So every time you go to the bathroom, you could take three big grounding mindful breaths. You could have two glasses of water. You could reset your mind, you could reset your nervous system and then come back. So that's four or five Gatorade stops a day.
0: So can I class my 7am uh, coffee truck that turns up as my Gatorade station in that's the morning? It's a
1: Gatorade station, right? You're preparing. And then <laughs> we need to cool down. Yes. Yeah. So you think of yourself as an athlete, we warm up, we do the race, we cool down. Mm. And the cool down is what are you doing to switch off? Mm. What are you doing at the end of the day? So for me, it's a laptop gets shut. I go for a walk around the block. Then I do a little bit of gratitude work. I do Mm. some breathing and then I'm into dinner and then in front of the television, I'm Mm. not allowed to sit on the couch unless I've done five minutes of stretching my back out from sitting all day.
0: So there
1: is structure that I could do until I'm 80 years old, that exact Mm. structure as a habit plan. And that's all we need to do to prevent ourselves from burning out.
0: So burning out, apart from physically, is also mental.
1: Correct. So if you're not doing the breathing, you will mentally burn out.
0: I've seen a lot of managers, we spoke about before about change and managing change. They keep themselves average when it comes to looking after themselves. But mentally, they seem to take on all the worries of, the business, all the worries of their staff coming to them because now everything's yes,
1: everything
0: on top of them, and it just builds. And you can just see building in their face and you can see building. And, of course, many of the old school managers, and most of them are men, they're old school, they're, they seem to be far more stubborn in them not wanting to change. The ladies seem to be more open. Yes. Uh, but you see it and they're just stacking and stacking and stacking until you know they're going to break. When you see someone like that and say you're seeing your senior manager or someone you're working that happening, what could someone as a colleague do to try and jolt them or to get them to take that step back and take a breath before they end up like you with chronic fatigue syndrome and
1: mm. stuck at home for 12 months? Well, well it, it, stress is the number one mm. uh, cause of autoimmune diseases. All Mm. autoimmune diseases come from a stress overload. So if your boss or someone in your team is burning out, it's really about saying to them, look, I've really noticed this. How about you get yourself some support? It's like you're this high-performance athlete, but you've got no coach and no masseur. There's no support. True. So they need a bit of support. So the first thing that I did when the pandemic started was get myself a coach. First thing Mm. I did, I want to coach, I I want to breeze through this Mm -hmm. and not get stuck in my thoughts and not get overwhelmed um, and pace myself, embrace the pace through this and Mm. not get into the drama and the fatigue and the the fear. And I I want to sail through it. So I got myself a coach because we need someone who's neutrally, who's neutral in our life and can really look down and, and be a, a good sounding board for us. Mm. And rather than taking on everything ourselves and making it very complicated and loading ourselves up, as you said, with those managers. So I've coached a lot of partners and directors for the mm. last couple of years where we've simplified what's happening in their mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was I was privileged to be in a coach, a group coaching session for a previous employer. And we were sitting there and there was a lady and she was doing the session. And she got quite deep and a lot, of them, a lot of the guys and ladies opened up to such a state that one of the guys admitted that he tried to kill himself.
1: Mm.
0: And the whole room went quiet. And I went, no, don't go quiet on the poor gentleman. Mm. This is when you need to be the opposite. Mm.
1: That's very confronting for a lot of people. Though.
0: Oh, shivers, yes. And, but it actually jolted a lot of other people. Mm. It brought their wall down. He was brave enough because he trusted the coach to bring the wall down because he'd obviously dealt with it so he could talk about it. But it also opened up a lot of things for other people around them. And a lot of people I see today, and you tell me what you think, have that wall up because they're afraid. Mm. They're afraid to let people in. Mm. They'll talk to a stranger, but Mm. they won't talk to people in their own business or their own uh, circle of friends.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things that really came out for me in the last two years speaking, sometimes there was 600 mm. people on a Zoom for me, and I'd always start with let's just take a big breath, mm. and who's taken a breath today? And people were typing in the chat, I haven't had a breath for 10 years. Like I don't know what it's like to take a conscious breath mm. and ground myself and just feel air in my body they felt Mm. so suffocated so locked down that there was no space for them and it's about creating internal space that feels safe for you to unpack some of your thoughts to be able to communicate them so a lot of people don't even know where to start with their communication to even Mm. tell somebody that they're feeling overwhelmed and when we did these big group sessions and we had to do three breaths every five minutes, yeah. you could just see people. There's like the gates opening. It was like, oh, I haven't ever even had a breath for two years. So yeah. it was a, it's a beautiful skill to master. It's one of the most important skills that we can master to settle mm. us down is actually to learn how to breathe.
0: Now, before we get into your books and, and what you do as a business now, I'm going to ask you two more questions. Three years ago to today, what do you see is going to be the biggest challenge now for business for the next three years? If you see the big step change, everything's been thrown out, digital's here, there's nothing as it ever was and it will not go back. If you're you're talking to a group of uh, business people today, managers, C-suite mostly, and they say, what do we need to do for the next three years? What's going to be our biggest challenge? What do you see it?
1: I think it's team building. Yeah. I think actually getting people back into a team environment because nothing beats having people in a room with their energy and strategizing and being creative. And the fear that people have now or they're thinking, oh, I don't want to do that anymore, mm. the hardest thing is going to build a culture again mm where we want to be a team, where we want to thrive as a team, where we want to feed off each other's energy, I think it's going to take years to rebuild that.
0: Yeah, so true, so true. So with your business, and you you do a lot of things, what is the the part of your business that gives you the most fulfilment?
1: Oh, it's definitely the one-on-one coaching. I think I'll do that. That's my... I think that's why I was put on this earth, actually. I mm-hmm. will do that forever. That's okay. that's that's my soul um, is I find it incredibly rewarding um, teaching people self-mastery and to mm-hmm. really go back to their values, to rebuild their life, to protect the asset which is themselves, to do their 20-year plan, to make sure they know where they're going mm-hmm. and why they're going there and what their direction and purpose is. That's beautiful work. The speaking side I absolutely love as well because that's teaching yeah. to the masses, which is incredibly, I think, a privileged place to be. Yeah. And then the books for me, you know, I, I didn't do very well at school, by the way, um, but who would have thought that I'm writing all of these books? You yeah. Know, my, uh, and I couldn't even speak at my wedding because I was so scared. So all of these are skills that have just developed over time mm. and, Lately, I've just put out vision board kits because that is my passion is yeah. people making sure you cannot be it if you cannot see it. You know, you have to dream something in order to be it and to and to chase it and to set goals and create habits. And a lot of people are just going around the roundabout. You know, I'm like, well, mm. what's important to you in the next three years? I don't know. I'm just surviving today. That's just not good enough. No. We really need to think about our 10 year old self, our 20 year old self and constantly ask the question, what are they telling me? The reason that I walk for an hour every morning is my 70 year old self says, thank you, that That's you moved your body every day, that you stretched your body every night. Thank you. That's all you needed to do for me and that you breathed all the way along so that your nervous system was mm-hmm. in a calm state. Um, thank you. So it's really easy to make decisions when we're thinking of our 70-year-old self. It is I don't want to burn out. I don't want to have autoimmune diseases on top of chronic fatigue, which I already did the damage when in the early years. But I actually see that as my gift because I have such respect now for my adrenal system and Mm -hmm. my sleep and my movement and my food that the business is incredibly successful because I have such clarity.
0: Wow. So for a lot of people, if you haven't been to Melbourne, there is a river that goes through Melbourne and on both sides, mostly on one side, it's got the most magnificent restaurants and that is what Melbourne in Australia is known for, it's food. If I bought you a table for six people to sit down there on a beautiful Sunday afternoon, the sun is shining, some beautiful Barossa Valley wines from South Australia,
1: mm-hmm. who
0: are you going to invite and why?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I, my favourite person is Matthew McConaughey.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, well, is that? Because he's good looking, or he just well,
1: yes, in- but no. I I love his philosophy. Yes. Um, he has some incredible speeches. His yes, he Oscar, does. His Oscar speech was, "My role model is my ten year old self." Yeah. So I'm always chasing. How can I be a bigger, better version of myself? And it's always stuck with me. And I make all of my clients. Mm listen to that so yeah he is very important to me he's always in my brain roger federer exactly the same yes yeah. about calm they're both calm so um, my role models are all people who are calm confident roger federer always says it's just mm. tennis. it's just tennis mm. i always say to me it's just my business like do not be your business your business is what you do. It's not who you are. Mm. So make sure you're building who you are, not just your business. And with a lot of corporates, it's my first question is, who are you without your job, which is frightening for a lot of people.
0: It's more so important than anything.
1: I want to build the person.
0: Yeah. The
1: job is just the Ferris wheel. You get on and off every day, and we all got to get on a different one. Yeah. So building the person is really important. So I like those kind of people and I also love, would love to have had dinner with um, Eddie Jacku, who just wrote that book, The Happiest Man on Earth, who was Mm -hmm. a Holocaust survivor. So just that eclectic mix would be amazing for me.
0: That sounds like an awesome dinner. And I'd say a few nice bottles of red and maybe some uh, wild turkey would go down at that one.
1: Yes, I think so too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So how do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you, your books and your programs?
1: Yes, um I've got my website Shanna yep. and there is personal coaching. There is group coaching. There is a public course, self-mastery course. Mm. There's only groups of 10 that I coach for a month, which is really exciting for people who want to meet new people, um, who all want to learn um, self-mastery. So you've all got something in common. And then the books are global. They're everywhere online, which is fantastic. Um, And the vision board kits have just come out too. So. There's there's plenty. There's a lot of free resources on the site, which are free downloadable vision board kits. There is free downloadable screensavers because I always think we need to train the brain. True. And a lot of my coaching is around mindset. And when we see it visually on a vision board, when we've got some words on the mirror, when we've got some great screensavers that Mm. help put into that computer program how you want to feel today, um, it gives us something to hold on to. And so that's all on the website for free.
0: Fantastic. Look, Shannon. it has been absolutely awesome talking to you. Uh, There's not many life coaches I've chosen to put on my program, but when I read about you and other people said to me, this lady is awesome, I couldn't but not give you a buzz and say please come on and Mm -hmm. share your thoughts with us. So it's been fantastic talking to you.
1: My pleasure, my pleasure. And I hope that people just remember to you know, protect the asset, which is yourself and that Mm. we're not our job. That's just what we do. And to just love and honour yourself and take care of this amazing vessel that you've got, this amazing body, Mm. just do the basics, you know, Mm. warm up with the three M's, take your marathon, do your Gatorade stops, do some breathing during the day and just have a wind down we, we will have a great life, you know, we'll, we will be connected, we will be grateful, we will not burn out, we will pace ourselves really well.
0: That's so, so true. And thank you again so much. And as we say at the end of all of our podcasts, have a groovy day.
1: Fantastic. Thanks for having me.